Welcome in. This is 300 Yards to Unknown. Joining me as he does every Wednesday, although spoiler alert, it is a Monday. It's Eric Patterson from The Score. What up, you Pat? Not too much, Rick. Thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, looking forward to breaking down the Memorial with you. It was uh, quite the week, a lot going on. Fell asleep on Sunday for a bit and then woke up to uh, a rules controversy I'm sure we'll get into. So oh, yeah, fun one. We will definitely talk about that. Let's just talk about uh, the Memorial in general. John Rahm goes out, gets uh, the biggest victory of his career, but I think the, the storyline was the carnage, man. I mean, Muirfield Village, uh, not messing around. Like, that was – it was brutal to watch. Like, how do you feel about watching the pros struggle like they did this week? I loved it. I loved every second of it. I mean, it, coming out of this break, it's been nothing but uh, birdie fest. It felt like a lot of, you know, soft conditions, a lot of target golf, and then to see these fairways as firm as they were, balls running through. I mean, you land like a, a pitching wedge on these greens. It was running off into the back. I – I loved it. I thought, I mean, the players were coming out saying they were loving it too. So, um, I mean, it was just such a nice change of pace and refreshing to see guys struggle. Um, you know, par was a good score in a lot of these holes, which is what I generally like to see a lot of the times. Yeah, I think it was noteworthy that, uh, like, Phil Mickelson had said, you know, this was a great test. Like, it, there are situations where courses play really difficult and the guys come off and they get in their post round interview and they're like, Oh, that was, that wasn't fair. Or, or like they lost the course, but you did not hear anything about that uh, in regards to Mirfield village. So I think then you can say, okay, well, if they're not complaining about it and they thought it was fair, then I guess it was fine. Yeah. So Rom, Rom was talking about how much he loved it, how it, it reminded him of his U S open uh, JT said the same thing. And then on uh, Sunday when Mickelson was putting from the fairway and then he laid up on uh, the 16th, the par three, I thought we were going to get some flame quotes from him after saying like, you know, save the U.S. Open for the U.S. Open. I don't know what Jack was doing to this course, but he came out and said, yeah, I like the like the challenge. So if Mickelson agrees after pulling some of the stunts he was doing, I think uh, we can all agree that. Uh, it was a fun test for these guys and definitely a good change of pace. Phil is the guy, though, that like when he's out of it, he's willing to try these <laughs> things. Right. What was the uh, I think it was an open championship that he was like telling us he was aiming for that like bunk greenside bunker on a par three because he's like, oh, you can't hold this. Like the best way to make par is like from this bunker. I can't remember where it was. It sounds familiar. He was doing the same thing this week. He was. Uh, he, he laid up on 16 and then putted it to give him, he said he took five out of play, which is to hear professional golfers say they take double bogey out of the equation, um, kind of shows how difficult it actually was out there. Yeah, it, it was certainly, uh, very difficult. Then of course, he, Phil pulls the, the putt from 78 yards. <laughs> it was such a bad effort. <laughs> I, saw the re I didn't see it live. And then I saw the replay come up. I'm like, oh, it's gotta, it's gotta go to like 10 feet or else Phil's kind of making a fool of himself. But it like trickled into the front rough. I was like, dude, what, what are you trying here? It didn't even come close to working. The great quote of, um, I think he said, I had I had that going differently in my mind or something like that. <laughs> Every a lot of that's probably what he thinks about after a lot of shots. But yeah, he still exactly. made he took a full swing from the side of the green and still made par. That, that's a rare opportunity to go birdie or I'm sorry putter wedge putter. Like you don't get to do that often. <laughs> Usually you're making that sounds like yeah a really bad hole if you're going putter. You got to put it back in the bag. But <laughs> um, 
the full swing from the fairway with the putter was something. It just shows how firm and fast it was. But pretty funny to watch. I would have loved to, like I, I wanted to play that course or see because, like, I don't know. We play uni courses and whatnot, and they're soft. But like, I want to feel what that's like to hit an iron in and just see it bounce like it landed on concrete. I don't, like, I have no. That's something I just can't relate to. That would destroy me. I, I mean, I, like, like two holes. Give me like one and two holes, or like. Just to experience how hard it was for these guys, because I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. But yeah, um, I, I think what actually the craziest shot was was uh, so Rom bogeys ten, he bogeys eleven on or double bogeys eleven on Sunday. Then he hits this unbelievable shot into twelve, which is the par three where he just carries the bunker. And that was the only shot, basically, like all week that I saw spin backwards, like yeah. on a green like that. And I was like, oh my god, like this guy. And, and that was such a big shot, I feel like, to, to, to kind of stop the bleeding that he was in at the moment. But he, it, it was unbelievable. To see, it's, it was interesting. I forget what hole, maybe 13 on the back nine, where Rom was in, like, the sec, first cut of rough there. And he, I think he had a wedge in. Palmer put it pretty close. This is when Rom was unraveling. He, uh, Palmer put it close, and then Rom just couldn't hold it with uh, a wedge. And it was just like... That's just the difference between being two feet into the fairway where you can put enough spin on it so it would land and stick a little bit. And then Rom's, I think it might have landed on like a downslope on the green, but either, either way, it rolled like 30 yards through the, through the, through the green. And it was just, you know, it, again, interesting. It makes, it makes you as a viewer, like realize how hard it is for these guys to, um, you know, how, how important it was for them to hit fairways. And then, you know, they're actually a good shot for them was, you know, giving themselves a 25 footer for birdie, as opposed to going out of pin and short siding yourself. It was just a refreshing week to watch. Yeah. I, I like this where essentially like, this is the way I think difficult, like courses should be difficult is firm and fast, right? Like you don't have to make them 7,700 yards. Uh, all that does is, remove the guy like the shorter guys like the shorter guys can't compete at 7700 yards you you make these courses shorter you make them firm and fast you make the rough very penal that is the way you not only make it difficult but you uh open up open up the field essentially where more guys can find their name near the top of the leaderboard and then we, we can talk we can talk about bryson about this like he for through two rounds before his massive 10 um you know he was only one over and like not really you would think he would have a really good, you know, a couple good rounds at least, but it was his power was being a little bit neutralized because of how firm and fast it was. And, um, you know, if you're not in the fairway, it just proves to be extremely difficult to get it close. And the course really emphasized how important angles are and, uh, you know, playing out of the fairway was. For sure. I, I completely agree with the angle thing. It reminded me a lot of the president's cup, which was what Royal Melbourne, where like, if you're in position and you hit a good shot, you are rewarded. If you are out of position or you hit a bad shot, you are penalized in a big way. Like, I think that's fair. So I, I like it, but I think it would have been, there's only so much carnage I can take to be quite honest with you. I hate watching guys like, you know, six, seven, eight over par. I mean, uh, Dustin Johnson shot back to back eighties and he didn't even play. He didn't even play the course at its most difficult, which is like the craziest thing to think about. I was just, again, Sunday night when the pin sheet came out, like because (laughs) of how important um, angles were and you knew how hard, how rock hard the greens was 
the pins became so much more important and people were like buzzing about the pin location on 16 and 14 and just how tucked they were. Whereas a typical week, it really doesn't matter because they just flop a wedge up into the, into the air and land it however far they are and it sticks right there. So it's, it just adds another element, another dynamic that's you know, worth, worth paying attention to. Let's talk about the cut line because um i think the telecast especially uh pga tour live kind of got exposed on how the cut line works eric so when you have a course that's playing over par and you have tiger woods i mean they were literally writing tigers i, I mean obituary that he had to hole out from the fairway on 18 or i guess it was his 18th i don't know if he started on the front or the back uh to make the cut and everyone on golf twitter is like there's no like this cut's moving like the, the course is playing over par he's probably going to get in at whatever he was for three over at the time like they're writing his obituary and they get this wrong every single week that was one of the most frustrating times like on twitter being listening to those broadcasters yeah right off tiger from the middle of the fairway at like 11 30 noon on a friday and then kepka as well like kepka made a double the guy's like well that seals his fate for the week see like pretty much see you later brooks but like dude if you're not like i don't understand how uh it was it was mind-blowing even the pga tours twitter account was saying yeah he needs to hold it for the weekend or something along those lines and like the fact that they don't even know how their own cut line works or being able to foresee what the scoring conditions might be in the afternoon, it's not that hard to figure out. There's plenty of sites out there, uh, you know, projecting a real cut line rather than just drawing a line on the current leaderboard and saying, well, the cut's at two over because that's where it is right now. It's just mind blowing how, how bad they are at educating the, uh, the viewers. Well, what's, what's really crazy is, uh, for the most part, the commentators are players. Like, they should know, like, would you have left if you were at three over? You would not have left on Friday afternoon knowing what the course was playing. You'd wait and see. You would not have felt like you need to hold. Like, I don't understand the lack of, like, they must be told. I, I don't know. I almost give them enough credit to be like, they have to understand it. Someone must be telling them to use whatever is on the PGA Tours leaderboard as the quote unquote projected cut line, which I, we were texting about this. I think the big, not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is understanding it. This, the second biggest issue is the cut line that the PGA tours website shows says projected cut. That is not projecting anything. That is drawing a line at the top 65 and ties at the current moment. So maybe if it said current cut, People might be like, oh, okay, well, this is subject to change because it says current, not because it says projected. So that right there, I feel like is a big, because then I get a million tweets that are like, well, why do you think it's going to go to three? The website says the PGA says it's going to be two over. I'm like, I get it. But like, that's not projected anything. E-Pat. Like it kills me. It kills me. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the word projected is ruining like people understanding of what the cut line is i think because then you get even media people in the media will just say like i i saw a few tweets from people from like golf channel wherever saying you know tigers at three over the projected cut line is two like he's pretty much writing off his weekend and just not understanding 
how the scoring conditions, I guess everyone's just so used to people just shooting three, four under par all the time. So they just don't even think about the fact that, you know, this cut line could go the opposite way. And it was just, they made themselves look like, like absolute fools for not, for not getting that right. I don't, I didn't hear the Saturday coverage. They might've been a little shocked to see Tiger with a tee time saying, well, how did, how did he get the inside the cut when we said he was outside the cut? Like I didn't see that, um, that reaction, but um, yeah, it was a, uh, I don't, I don't understand how they have people who, who can't comprehend how the cut line works. Um, it was, uh, and then I was, I was getting into, into it on Twitter with people who were saying, you know, there's so many general fans watching that this, they want the storyline or something to be about Tiger missing the cut where like, no, that is the furthest thing from the truth. Right. Everyone wants Tiger inside the cut. There's no way they would like spin it to make a storyline out of something that probably is going to change. It was just, Ah, it was, and, uh, and you would never spin it so that you lose like half of your viewing audience yeah, the next day if Tiger doesn't like. You'd be like, oh, there's you. You'd be clinging onto the fact like any chance he could make the cut. You'd be like, well, well, if things get crazy in the afternoon, he might be able to make the cut. Make sure you tune in tomorrow to find out. Like that—that that is the dumbest argument I've heard. I trust me. I, I, uh, I sometimes get a little too far in into Twitter little disputes with people who clearly don't fully understand what you know, the point of what I'm trying to say or like the correct point of view. But like, yeah, to, to, to say that Tiger was missing the cut because no one any good. I mean, you'd first of all, you would try to spin it to like to say that he has a chance. So this is, you know, that you'd want to, people to pay attention Friday afternoon to see if Tiger does make the cut. And then imagine you send viewers away like, well, Tiger missed the cut. I'm not going to watch this weekend. Like, I don't get it. I, uh, I clapped back on Twitter for the first time, maybe ever. I, I, I'm usually very good at just like muting, muting the trolls and moving on. But, uh, I, one got me. So I was like, I was feeling it and it was a a moment of weakness. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. I gotta, I gotta say something. This feels dirty once you get into it. And then you just got like, you just gotta want some people never grab it yeah uh the i guess the next big storyline is gonna be the whole john rom penalty thing on on 16 which uh in in the history books will now be marked down as a bogey on 16 despite hitting what might have been like the greatest shot i've ever seen under the circumstances i mean that's probably uh a little bit of hyperbole but like that shot was so good and he puts his club behind the ball. It kind of oscillates and rolls over a tiny, a tiny bit. And they assess him a two shot penalty after the round. So let's, let's start with this EPAT uh, by like the letter of the rule. Th- this was the correct ruling. I think. I, I guess so. that it only happens to the, like how many times would you say that happens to, anyone in the field on a given week like every that probably single happens round. a dozen times yeah like that thick rough you put your you put your club behind the ball like to say that i i at this point i was trying to like write headlines so i wasn't fully paying attention i was trying to figure out what the hell john ron shot i couldn't figure out if it was 75 73 five shot win three shot win like i didn't know what yeah. the eventual score was going to be but um people were saying that like uh you know they were i don't know if they were using this this cheat word but they were surprised that he didn't see the ball move like 
I don't know. I'm not always, if you're putting your club behind the ball, you might be picking your line. You might be looking at the pin, wherever it is. You're not just staring at your ball and like, yeah. he would have reacted if he saw the ball move. Or, like, or he's looking at the back of the ball or he's looking at the rough or he's looking at the pin club. or he's yeah. not looking at, like, he could like, be looking anywhere. Yeah. And, and even if he is looking at the lettering, he might not even have noticed it. I, I mean, we didn't notice it until we were zoomed in and going in slow motion. It's, it is, it's one of those things where like you get penalized for being in contention where I'm sure that happened to someone at some point this week and no one saw it. Two strokes could have made the cut for that matter. Like you never know how it could have impacted someone else. And the fact that Rom, you know, six, the 16th hole with, with the lead, like I honestly, I honestly don't think if it, if it would have impacted the outcome of the tournament, I don't think he would have been assessed. No shots. chance. No yeah. chance. There is no chance that they let that play out where it very clearly did not impact the shot whatsoever. Uh, in fact, it might have even rolled it further, like deeper in yeah. by a millimeter. Like it might have made the lie worse. And there is no way that they would have let him walk off 18, fist bump Jack, and then tell him he has a two shot penalty. And now it is what Ryan Palmer's trophy. Like no chance that would happen. It's pretty wild. That, like we both agree on that, and then um, it's it's wild to think that the rules, how a rule is enforced, depends on the like the effect it would have. Like, isn't that backwards? Yeah, that's why uh, go- golf rules in general are terrible, and then the way that they are enforced is even worse. I mean, there is no other sport, and this is always the argument. There's no other sport that you don't know the score at all times like there there is there it's it's impossible it's in unfathomable. it's unfathomable to think now i don't know how they fix it right like i don't know if they fix it by halting play and saying john we're going to review this right now and we're going to let you know in three minutes and then everyone's going to keep playing i don't know if that's the solution maybe the solution is i don't know um let the players figure it out themselves i, I guess that could be a slippery slope but you're right He's only penalized because he's on TV here. I, I was waiting for someone to tell Rom on like the 17th green or 18th tee that he was being like, I don't know what the word is. Like there, it was under investigation. Like he would, he might've snapped. He might've like hurt someone. He was, uh, I guess he like the, the chip went in, but at the same time, he's uh, he got a short fuse. So that could have disrupted play. I'm sure Palmer wanted uh, at the time, Palmer would have loved mom to have known that because that could have, could have sent him off a bit, but it was, uh, I think they just held off because they wanted to see how the, how the, the tournament would have finished and whether or not that penalty would have had any impact. And yeah. obviously it didn't. And that's probably, and Ron probably just like, dude, just give me the penalty. I don't yeah. care. I just want to, you know, move on with this win. Like yeah, he's he not going to try to plead his case. That is yeah. the easiest, it is the easiest penalty to assess when it is a five shot victory and you turn it into a three shot victory. Like, pff, okay, no problem. Every, every, John Rahm accepts it. Uh, the tour gets to say, we, we did our job. We enforced the rules. It didn't impact anything. It is like, yeah, win, win, win. Nobody cares. But uh, it's, you know, it's always, it's always something with golf rules. I feel like nobody knows. And like, also how, how are the rules? And, and obviously they're written. I feel like they're written with so many loopholes where like half the people on the telecast are like, Oh yeah, that's like, that's a penalty. Definitely. Half of them are like, no, it's like, I don't think it's a penalty. No one knows. And it's like one guy to decide how often, okay. How often does this happen? Eric, uh, Bryson tried to get this the other day. You get a second opinion. 
right? Like, can you believe that they even allow a second opinion? How how do both how could two of rules officials come up with different different rulings? Well, they didn't. Bryson thought they might. Well, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, but the fact that you're even allowed to, like, there should be no scenario. The rules should be so black and white that no matter it, any of these 100 rules officials come out, they're going to give you the same ruling. Uh, all right, let's look forward to the 3M. It's going to be a lot different. This is uh, likely going to be a birdie fest. Uh, TPC Twin Cities. Matthew Wolf is going to defend his uh, his title. He's the only guy to ever win it. 21 under par. Um, this is not similar to fields we have seen thus far on, on the restart. This is going to be the weakest field of the restart, but like Tommy Fleetwood is going to make his, uh, return to golf. It, it, and, and then we've got a bunch of question marks like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka at the top of this field. So I, I really don't know how to even begin to handicap this field, quite honestly. There, I've never seen like a, there's like good, decent names at the top, but again, a lot of questions. DJ 8080, Kepka's hurt again, apparently, which is maybe something he's been dealing with for a lot longer than we, we've been led to believe. And then Fleetwood, we haven't seen in a while, in quite a while, so I guess the Arnold Palmer was his last time. So, I mean, I don't really know what to make of this field. I'm not very excited about the tournament. It's more of like a, a week off mentally, I guess. You could re- recharge and and look ahead to the WGCs, but um, yeah, this it was a it was a good event last year. Maybe there'll be some drama on Sunday, but the names right now aren't that exciting from a, you know from a betting perspective and just kind of overall interest perspective. Yeah, it's going to be um, this is like a natural resting place for yeah. a lot of big players because you got the WGC next week, then the PGA Championship. So this is like this is going to start that sprint, so to speak. Uh, so this was a natural resting point for a lot of the big time players. Now, Eric, you've been on uh, a pretty good run of picks recently here you've been picking winners all over the place you've been kicking my butt in our uh little pick game that we go back and forth on so i i tip my cap to you sir thank you yeah rom came through with the big one that was uh rom memorial's been producing those like big time winners with like not a ton of pedigree on the pga tour but like bryson cantley morikawa now um rom so it's just like these elite level talents that ha- don't have like major wins and it's kind of their biggest win so far in their career. So yeah, that ROM one was nice. He uh, came through in a big way. Well, with your ROM pick last week to my Rory McIlroy pick, uh, you get to go first for this week's three M open. What who, an honor. Who would you like? Um, I'm going to go with, this is kind of against what I typically do, but I'm going to go with Bubba Watson. It is Monday, so I haven't really find the pick gone through too deep, but I like, I like what I saw with Bubba last week. I think he was third in strokes gained approach. Um, this kind of seems like a, a bomber's paradise, like, you know, with, with Wolf at the top last year, Bryson at the top, Morikawa, there was a few other longer hitters, not necessarily like, you know, putters by any stretch. So um, Bubba's been playing solid. I don't know if it's a Bubba track, like we're, we're used to seeing him win at, but I think he's, uh, he's, a, he's one of the more talented players in the field who's probably not getting the respect of a, a top-tier player. Uh, I kind of wanted to take Bubba. So, really? Uh, yeah. That helped. Yeah. yeah we, I haven't listened to like any preview shows or anything like that. I've just been... Um, looking at some numbers, but yeah, that that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Tita Green, obviously very volatile, but he was good. I'm going to take Paul Casey 
And I think that, uh, okay, so he misses the cut on the number last week, taking an eight on a par three. So uh, Did you see that shot tracker? Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> he hits his first shot in the bunker, and then he, like, hits it. Over I, the river. Over the river. <laughs> then he hits it in the river. Then he, like, it was, it was bad. Uh, so he goes, basically, for 35 holes, he played, I think it would have been one under, which would have been great. And his 36th hole, he plays five over. He shoots four over and misses the cut. So I'm willing to assume an eight on a par three is not coming again. Otherwise, he played pretty well. I'll go back to Paul Casey. What is your what? I was going to ask you what your thought is on Kepka playing this. After saying he was hurt, why is Kepka in this field? I don't know. I have no idea what Kepka's doing. Um, he's got one of the most interesting schedules for someone who only shows up in majors. Apparently we, again, we've talked about this before, but he's hurt. It's a three M open. There's a WGC coming where he's defending the PGA is coming. Like why you just need a couple good weeks in the big events and you'll be in the playoffs. I don't know why he's playing this again. I, I've, I've tried to come at this from a couple different angles and I could not figure out what I can't figure out what he's doing with this schedule. Like he was going to try to take the week off at the Memorial. That didn't happen. I can't imagine he really cares about the playoffs that much because you're right. If he just finishes well at either the WGC or the PGA championship, like he'll, he'll make, he'll make, he'll get into the playoffs and, and be fine. But I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. His brother's in the field again. What are they just like a, a package deal? They just play wherever. Maybe is Chase like dragging Brooks to all these events that he doesn't want to play. This could be like a, you know, you gotta, you gotta let your bro, little bro do his own thing. Like you can't just, if, if that's what the case is where you get a, if you get Brooks, if we get Chase and we'll bring in Brooks as well. It just, it seems like a package deal that's working against Kepka's favor. Wow. Brooks, wow. That is not Chase. We'll Chase see. Starts, but he's not doing anything with them. We'll see, man. I, I'm really confused about him and, and Dustin Johnson, so I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, what do you got going on at the score, Epat? Don't tell me just like whatever golf stuff. I actually I got something this week. I just came out with uh, you know the everyone loves power rankings, so I figured I should I should jump in on that party. I ranked the top ten players since the restart, so not yes. not in golf, but just since the the last I guess it's been six events, so we're we're underway here. Um, some surprising names kind of on, in, in the top 10 that you might not think of as top 10 players in the world, but short sample size. All right, go check it out on the score. You can follow Eric on Twitter at EPAC golf. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick run. Good. This has been 300 yards to unknown. We'll catch you next time.